FOLA Capital helps small businesses raise capital using one of the several programs authorized under the 2012 JOBS Act. They are especially passionate about helping to raise capital for veteran-owned, women, and minority-owned small businesses across the country. Be sure and check them out at folacapital.com. But yeah, the, the the Beastie Boys are like the original white boy hip hop group. Like in sync. No, like for real hip hop. Like Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. That's the one I was thinking of. Right, what? Like One Direction. All right, let me get out of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But anyway, we're joined today by DW as our guest. DW, introduce yourself. Uh, my name is DW. Uh, there is none other than me, but no, no I'm just kidding. Uh, DW Hamill, uh, I've been in the VBC for about, about a year now. And uh, just uh, I'm here to chat it up and what specific information you might want. Other than that, uh, we can dive into. I mean, we can continue rabbit holing on Beastie Boys if that's that's what you prefer. Hey, man. I mean, Avery, Avery can... He can rabbit hole on almost anything. A number of things. I, I came here to be in the moment, and, and I, I, I intentionally tried to just clear all of my stuff out so I didn't have one particular topic. that This is, this could just be a creative moment. We could go wherever we wanted to go with it. And, That's how we do it. That's um, why you didn't get a script ahead of time right, or a, an agenda. We got a couple things we, we always do at the end, but uh, – uh, I guess, you know, we're, we're the veteran business collective, you know, so we have the veteran aspect of it. We have the business aspect of it. So we will touch on those points a little bit. Um, so being a veteran, what what branch were you in? What'd you do? Gotcha. Let's, uh, let's start there. We'll go with the VBC 30-second elevator pitch. How about that? Well, we've got more time than that, so, so feel free to stretch it if you want to. Well, uh, um, uh, you know, I'm an Army veteran. I started out in the National Guard. I spent two years on active duty, um, okay. uh, basically – with a, a deployment, uh, I got called up out of the ranks of the National Guard Center, sent to Fort Bragg for 12 months, and then went overseas, uh, Kosovo and uh, Germany. I was in Germany for 9-11, uh, so that was my first actual active orders that I was ever put on. Was uh, Went there for an AT and got stuck there. <laughs> what was Kosovo like? Kosovo, by the time I got I, I got there almost immediately after everything had settled. Um, so it was still it was still war-ridden, and they were still actively out looking for certain people. Um, but there was no active fighting going on. We did have a couple riot breakouts that we handled pretty quickly, and um, I'm sure other people have, have noticed that in certain peacekeeping situations you step into, a lot of times... When the Americans show up, they all just kind of say, okay, we're done. <laughs> and that's kind of where it was at that point for us. Is We would show up and they go, oh, it's the Americans, we quit. And so uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do other than just be present. Sometimes that's yeah. a good thing. That's a good thing. I, I, I'm thankful for that. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot that went into that. There was a lot of presence um, like we still had Apache helicopters there, we phased them out as we were coming out. So the, my last couple months in country, they had already phased them out. But um, the just being on patrol and being present in the communities and, and making friends with people was more about what our mission was about mm-hmm. than to try to use a strong arm or iron fist. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we were more, you know, our turn in, in theater was more about the finesse. Okay. So, What did you do for the Army? What was your MLS I was an MP. job? I was an MP. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I, technically I was a combat MP. Um, we trained for combat, but most of the time I served in garrison formats. Okay. And what, what year did you leave the Army? I got out in, oh, I got out in 05 and – Officially in 07. This okay. My contract in 07. Okay. So. Very cool. 
Did you uh, did you end up doing any law enforcement after that? It seems like a lot of MPs end up going into law enforcement on the civilian side when they get out. Did you end up doing any of that? So no, and and, and at, that, at that moment um, in time, transition wasn't even a word. No, it wasn't even when I when I got out. I've only been out eight years. And and, and the the it, it was essentially um, the big red I mean the big green boot, and you're just like ooh. All right, I'm here now. What do I do? And there, there was no guidance. Mm-hmm. I think we got a 30 minute video on, you know, making sure you're sound up top, and <laughs> then we got another 30 minute video on making sure that we talked to this list of people, and they flashed it up the board for about three seconds. And if you didn't write it down, you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, that was kind of the transition experience. So when I got out, I had no guidance. I had nothing. Um, I'd had a few guys in that were like, "Oh, you can get, in, you can get into this, or you can get into that." So I tried FBI, I tried the Secret Service, I tried the Border Patrol, and um, you know, at that point, they weren't actively recruiting um, in law enforcement. It was more of a privilege to work in law enforcement, so you had to know someone to get in the door. So then I worked worked my way down, and every time I tried to step into local law enforcement it was one of those situations of well if you'll go get your blet you know then you can come back and talk to me mm-hmm. um which is go get your school and i'm like well, yeah, yeah. Hell, i just just left like same amount of school <clears throat> yeah you pro- probably more schooling that you got from from the marine corps than you'd get from going to the community college and taking blood right yeah i mean absolutely um the other than you would get the local state laws so i, right. I could understand but i mean now they're like paying people while they go through BLET just to get them to come in. So, yeah, so. I mean, it was it was even something I looked at years ago, um, not not because I wanted to work full-time mm-hmm. as a uh, peace officer, but something just, you know, being on, like, I looked at, I lived in Pender County at the time, and I was thinking, man, maybe it'd be good to just be on their reserve officer list, right? you know, in the event that there's a need for a, a plus-up, you know, and something in the community or whatever. I'm, I'm somebody they could they could call to active service. Right. And, you know, I, I reached out to him. It was the same thing. It was, hey, you need to go to Blatt. I'm like, I can't give up nine months of full-time. That's right. You know, full. I can't commit nine months of full-time academics so that I can be a reserve officer mm-hmm. somewhere after I've got 13 years of Marine Corps, you know, experience and, you know, being in combat arms and everything else. Like I, I don't need to show up and learn how to exercise and shoot a pistol and all the rest of it. Like you said, the, you know, the, the, the statutes and that would be great. Right. Like if they could figure out a way to like honor some of the military service and give the, that portion of it separate to cut down on the, the required time commitment, maybe it'd, it'd be simpler for, for guys to get involved. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that they, they need all the training they can get. I mean, it should be some. That's a. I mean, just like the military, we train all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we train just to train. I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny, um, but it's true. Uh, and law enforcement needs that same thing. But there's a lot of key pieces that are missing. Um, but back at that point, you're right. It was nine months that I had to give up. I had to pay for the course and not get paid while you're doing it. And um, yeah. I could have used the GI Bill, but then it would have wiped the GI Bill out. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. willing to give up a four-year for nine-month program. So it was one of those things I had to do the cost-benefit and then say, is this really worth me doing all this just to get a $28,000-a-year job? Right. And so I got offered an opportunity to go to the jail for a while, and then he would sponsor me to go. um, And I started down that that road, and at the meantime, got a job offer making $34,000 a year at that point versus 28 to go into restaurant management. So I chose that path. Yeah. I went with the, with the first train smoking. Uh, and, um, you know, I can look back on that and say, oh, gosh, I was such a, in a victim mentality because it just, you know, it was, oh, what was me at that point? Because it was, it was hard. It was tough. Um, I, I got out of the military in a bitter mindset, and it, it mm-hmm. took me a long time to even get to a point where I owned my veteran status, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to step into that light and say, I'm a veteran and I did something worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Do um, you, 
Do you feel like you knew what you wanted to do? Do you think that I had no clue. impacted it as well? I still have no clue what I want to do. <laughs> we just yeah. talked about that. That's too I, I funny. I see that a lot when folks are transitioning out. They often have a don't want to do list, right? And you'll right. ask them, and I, it's very common, and it's hard to just figure out, right? But you'll say, hey, you know, what are you interested in doing? What industries are you considering? And the list is like, well, I don't want to do this. I know I don't want to do this. This is it. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like, I have no use for that information. What do you want to do? I cannot introduce you to a lot of people starting, like, now. But that's the easy part. Right. Who do you actually have an interest in speaking to or learning more about what their organization does? So, yeah, that definitely... I see that affect people being able to, I'm trying to think of the word, but say pursue something in particular with any type of focus because they're kind of wandering Mm -hmm. to see what they bump into. So I I was just wondering that when you were, because it sounds like you applied to a lot of stuff. I I can tell you, man, I've been through so many changes in that my career span. Which, I mean, part of it is I'm not afraid to, to just change. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind the change. Um, and that's part of the reason why I am kind of fell into the situation that I fell into now where I'm, I'm operating within a space within the insurance arena, at operating in my own capacity. Mm-hmm. But I'm also working on a couple other business projects that – and it, it's one of those things with – Growing up with ADHD, it was like I could touch multiple things at one time, and it keeps my my creativity going. Is is having something new to create? I like how you mentioned that. I don't think I've ever heard someone reference ADHD positively ever. But I I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was really cool. I mean, I, I think that's an important key yeah. to to understanding yourself. And, and, and trust me, some of the, the concepts that I regurgitate today are a result of the past 12 months. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, you know, some of it is, yes, I have, a, I have a long list of experiences that have helped me throughout my life. But my mindset mm-hmm. has come alive in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to look at things in a different light and... and so ADHD is, is, is something that has affected me. It's something that I've lied about. It's something that I've hid. It's mm-hmm. something I've been ashamed of. And I'm going, but wait a minute. It has helped shape who I am today. Yeah. I feel like it can be a superpower if you're, if you're aware enough to figure out how to embrace it. Right. Like there are whole industries of people trying to figure out how to have the bandwidth to entertain multiple things at once or be, have more energy than they know what to do with. All right. Like there's some legal and some yeah, there's some legal <laughs> and illegal industries that have been kept in business a long time trying to harness this. It, uh, it's cool to see someone like capture it and make the most of it. I think that the, the biggest thing, is, the biggest strength that it gives me is just the ability to, see change and accept it faster because when if I'm not careful you and I can have a conversation and I will think 10,000 thoughts in a split second uh, especially if you present me with a problem because I like solving problems so I'm one of those people that you know if you I used to get lost in conversation Mm -hmm. to the point that if you brought up a problem I was trying to solve it for you Mm -hmm. I was trying to come up with different angles and everything like that to look at. Um, I've gotten better about being mindful in that space mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to be present in the moment and actually hear somebody. But then I take that back and I actually put thought into people, it, you know, people's problems. And if something comes up for me, I, I, I share it. I mean, it happened just today at one of the networking events I was at. This uh, young lady is trying to build an occupational therapy practice Mm -hmm. and she's dealing with seniors and we were sitting at a country club and I said have you thought about connecting with country clubs and offering a free class for the seniors Mm -hmm. she's like no thank you I was like you're welcome I was like yeah I got my vibes for the day I mean I'm ready to rock and roll so you know um look 
And I feel like life is is, is full of lenses as as mm-hmm. how you interpret things. Everybody has got their own set of lenses mm. that they're going to interpret things for. So, and you're really good at this, by the way, Avery. That's one thing that um, I've appreciated about you and I've noticed about you is when you have a, a problem or, or a, just a thought, um, you start. I've seen you at networking events, mm-hmm. and you're constantly walking up to somebody like the life insurance. I know you've asked probably a half a dozen people about their take on life insurance is because you wanted to see the multiple different lenses. Yeah, that's and, and, true. And it's like, wow, man. I, I, I mean, you just inspired me with that. So uh, you're an inspirational right. person. Thanks, so, man. Yeah. You, you mentioned specifically a minute ago uh, about some sort of change that took place 12 months ago. Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or maybe over the last 12 months. I don't remember how you worded it exactly. I, you know, if I'm uh, – if I. To, to, to dive pretty deep, uh, if I'm honest with myself, that change goes back. Um, you know, uh, how graphic do we really want to get here? It's up to you. It's your story. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, so, I mean, we're going to stay clothed, but other than that, I mean, like, it's your I'm story. I'm imagining, like, ayahuasca <laughs> or mushrooms or acid. If you admit to any crimes, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm not responsible for your arrest. <laughs> so let's see. December 2019, I was 297 pounds. Okay, you're a big boy. I was a big boy. Yeah, I was. I was knocking on the door at 300, and I kept telling myself, "You're not going to get the 300. You're not going to get the 300." That was my focus. I'm not going to get the 300, and I just kept inching, inching, and inching, and inching. And finally, I put my put my boot in the ground and said, "All right, it's time to to take a stand." And I enlisted in a dietary program that changed my life. Hmm. Um. Is it something that I'm like, hey, everybody should do this? No. You know, I've tried. I've tried to get other people to do the same thing. Um, it's a tough program. It was something I had to go into with a lot of mental toughness. And I didn't understand all of the precepts that she had built into the program until I had grown even further in mindset. But um, I went 40 days eating no fats, no sugars, no carbohydrates, Ooh, that's a that's a tall um, order. So nice. it, it was it was it was just a, no sugar. I mean, it was just, just a stupid clean diet. Just trying to figure out how to do that, right? Because sh- they put it in everything. everything. It's in literally everything you eat. So I had to learn a new way to cook. <clears throat> I couldn't cook with oil anymore. Uh, you know, I had to learn how to be a season master, and I had to learn how to cook with chicken broth. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to learn limited meats. You know, cut out the I couldn't have pork during that time frame. Um, mm-hmm. Which, interestingly enough, when my wife tried port back again, she found out she was intolerant to it. Hmm. So now we have to say my wife's allergic to port. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's whatever. There's so many different things to eat out there. If you're hung up on one thing, then, you know, change your mind. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. But, no. That, that's the weakness? Uh, no, like as an alternative to port. I'm just throwing it out oh, there. Oh, is it? Just try it. Yeah. <laughs> There we go. A BLT well, with a with a Hershey's bar. On. Yeah, can I get a can, can I get a Hershey LT? <laughs> no, um, but yeah. So I went from two ninety seven down to two hundred nine, and that's I, awesome. I, I've put on a few since then, but I've also changed my diet, hit the gym, and I'm kind of doing a, a different run of things. Um, but I think that was the catalyst point of me realizing that I can make changes. And then the second one came along um, when I found out I had a tumor. Hmm. Um, we, uh, I had a, a uh, inguinal hernia. They went in to fix it, found out I had a tumor, and they wound up doing a, what they call a radical orchiectomy. And to save people time of looking that up, I, I had a testicle removed. Um, I became a sounding board at that point for men to... A, let go of that shame and actually reach out and talk to you because as soon as I put it out of what happened, um, I had five guys reach out to me and say, hey, um, yeah, uh, I got this thing and I, I, I don't know if it's... I said, just spit it out, man. Just say it. Mm-hmm. Well, I got, I got, I got an, an extra nut or I got you know this bump. I'm like, all right. Quit being a knucklehead. Go get the shit checked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if you don't go get it checked out, if it's something, I mean, if you're worried about it, go check it out. Right. You know, uh, you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, 
probably intimidating and scary. It, I mean, it and is. Nobody it's... wants to have that ego check of having to admit that they've got a problem, especially in uh, it's such a sensitive topic. Right. right? But when I, when I came out of that and, and I thought, oh, my, um, they, they tell me this. I, my, I wake up and I'm like, I move and I go, oh, I'm hurting way up here. What's going on? My wife goes, well, this little funny thing happened. And... Which you might not find so funny when I tell you what it is. <laughs> and she tells me and I'm just like, it's like, okay. I was less concerned about the fact that I was, a, a, you know, swinging solo and more concerned with the fact that I had a tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sent it off for biopsy, came back negative. It turned out to be like some adrenal tissue that had just puffed up okay did its thing um less than one percent of men in the world ever have that and only another like 20 percent of those one percent have it manifest like mine did hmm. so it was like a super Pretty rare case rare. and yeah. they were like hey it's just it's no big deal and like, good to go but that I think that also rocked me enough to say, all right, it's really time for me to change because the last 10 years of my life, I had been working in a situation with a family business. I wasn't happy with the direction. I wasn't happy with what was going on. And overall, I wasn't happy as a person. Mm -hmm. So that uh, October of 2020, I went to the Suiting Warriors event. Uh, saw it on, saw it on LinkedIn. Uh, I think Ethan Bickley actually was. Uh, we were in the same unit, and I stayed connected with him. And when I saw Rob posted up on his LinkedIn page and saw the video, I sent him a message. Is this guy legit? Like, what is this? And he goes, No, nah, it's legit. Go get a suit, man. I'm like, all right. I mean, I'm I'm look I'm actively looking for other positions. I'm gonna need a suit to interview in. Why not? Let me go check it out. And from there, um, Rob met with me afterwards and just to follow up, see how things went, wound up making me a job offer, and I went to work with Rob. And that drastically changed my life. Because somebody, for 10 years of my life, I had somebody telling me that all my ideas were crap, that I needed to shut up and just do what I was told. And, you know, it was always negative. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I step into a space where Rob is like, Hey man, you can do this. You can do this. You can create. You can love. I mean, Rob's like the bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his energy is way over the top. If you've ever met him, you you kind of feel like you need to go run afterwards. <laughs> 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 Let me go run two miles. I just met Rob. Yeah, but uh, you know, work, that's working, a good way to describe him. <laughs> working in that space, man, was was just it was awesome. I mean, you could I, I could screw up and. It'd be like, all right, cool. You screwed up. What are you gonna do about it? Well, I, I guess I need to do this. All right, have you thought about doing it this way? No. Okay. Well, I mean, decide which way you're gonna go. Well, what do you think? He goes, I don't know. Decide. <laughs> I'm like, Damn, I never had somebody make make me make a decision like. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, those are the types of things that challenged me to 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 grow. And he just kept handing me books and getting me around people like you guys and being in the Wilmington market actually put me into a path where I met somebody like Tim Howard, went through the man school and then that again changed everything. And I've, I've just been on this, this path of let me consume as much mindful techniques, as much thought provoking, as much dreaming, whatever you want to call it. I'm trying to consume it and I'm trying to create the life that I want for myself and it's working <laughs> yeah that's what i was going to ask you so i want to hear about that part because there's so many people um you know that'll they'll go to the seminars or they'll read a book and they get hyped up right and then there's no there's no follow-through there's no execution right. um you know and those books are so popular and I, I i enjoy them i have lots of them i read them all the time too they're so popular because they give you this this uh, emotional high as right. you read the story, right? They're crafted in a way to make you feel uh, positive and good, which is the point because you're supposed to feel better and, and then take action on it. But a lot of times it's like, you know, the New Year's resolution of going to the gym, you, you sign up for the gym membership, you're feeling awesome. And then by the end of January, like there's nobody in the gym anymore, you know? Right. So 
I'd like to hear your perspective on how all these these things have actually you've take you've actually been able to take them and harness them and then put them into practice and use them in a oh, way that's oh. affecting your life like you're like you've said it has. So so there's two key words in one of them you said. Okay. Practice. Practice. Okay. So uh, you know. Um, I was listening to uh, Chris Doris and Steve Chandler on a um, podcast just this morning, and uh, there's, there's, there's two thoughts that I can pull out from that. One of those is, is he said, I can throw you a basketball and tell you what hand you write with, but I can throw it to an NBA player and I can't. And that thought process is interesting. The only difference between you and the NBA player is the NBA player has dribbled the same amount with both hands. And he's done it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and you haven't. Mm-hmm. That and and unless you believe that to be true, you're always going to go, "Oh, he's a super. He's Michael Jordan. He's this. He's Stephen Curry." Well, Stephen Curry shoots a hundred free throws every freaking day. Mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. If you did, would you be as good as Stephen Curry? Possibly. You know. So it's all about you know it's all about the things that you put into practice. And how often you practice them. So what is it that you've been putting into practice that's, that's turning dividends for you? Um, one is I'm, what, I'm being mindful of what I put in. Okay. Um, it's easy to fall into bad habits. It's easy to fall back to the way things were. But, you know, one is just trying to change that routine. Mm-hmm. And putting into practice every day that I'm I'm writing out my goals. I'm writing out what it's going to take for me to succeed today. I'm writing a. I'm actually designing the life with a statement. I write a statement out just about every morning. I won't lie and say I do it every morning because mm-hmm. some days I don't. Mm-hmm. But I, that's my goal: is get up every morning and write this statement out. And that statement is my creativity for the day of what am I going to create. Um, so. Having that coupled with I am statements, you know, I say things like I am resilient, I am strong, I am worthy, I am loved, I am loving um, every single day. So a lot of uh, positive self-affirmation. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's about um, identifying who it is I want to be mm-hmm. and start the process of practicing being that person. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are, Almost like a reprogramming sort of, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, neuroplasticity at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like your your computer program, you can be, re, you know, the, your brain works like a computer program. It, it sends electronic signals back and forth through the body. So, so you're in uh, the insurance biz, right? Correct. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? What is, what is it you do specifically and... That sort of thing. So I, um, after working with Rob for a while and learning State Farm's uh, side of things, I got an opportunity to go into the employee benefits arena with a brokerage firm. Um, I think the big catalyst for me was it was just it was my piece, my 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 little pie to work on, and you know that was that was the only thing. I, I sat down and and did all my cost benefits of of making that decision, and ultimately it was about you know, what would make me happy. Um, so that's what I, what I went for. And uh, being in that space has been so much fun. I, I don't like being stuck in an office. I like being on the go, out talking to people, talking to somebody different every day, and building relationships. And that's what this job has been. Um, I am wholeheartedly... Am, I'm out there trying to help people understand that they can have access to employee benefits in their business. They just have to look at it and approach it in a different format. And that's what I help do. Um, Mm. Because we're a brokerage firm, I'm able to go out and find what fits. So um, that's the that's the biggest point of what I do is 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 just it's to me it's a consultative business. It's like I get to partner with somebody and help them make their business better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is part of my go-giver attitude is that I, I get to give you access to something you didn't think was possible to help your business become more solidified. Because hmm. how many times have you had somebody leave your business for another job that offered dental because they had a toothache? 
you know, uh, right. I've seen it happen. Um, it's not all the time. But everybody right now is starving for employees. You need every edge you can get. And being able to say that I offer this or I offer that when your competitors aren't mm-hmm. um, is, a, is huge. Uh, for someone who finds himself in a similar dynamic, right, where you're in an industry that there's a there's an importance of being able to develop and and forge strong relationships for doing business, right? What you seem like you're naturally inclined to do it, but I imagine that there are some things you practice as well that optimize it. How would you rec- recommend? know someone considering improving their ability to forge you know relationships in business because it seems to be kind of what your business is built on right right um for me it's been about talking to people that i already knew that's been the key to my success and being willing to ask and being willing to talk to new people um but to me the 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 key to success and and everything, and this is something I'm still practicing, I still fail at it, um, is, and and Tim talks about it as talks of love, but, um, or calls of love is what he calls it. Um, But it's more focused on how can I serve you? Mm -hmm. If I can call somebody and not even talk about benefits and find out something that I can help serve them on, then I feel like I've won. Um, Whether... It turns into a paycheck or not, that doesn't matter. Um, and, and that's kind of like that go-giver attitude. That is um, that is the, that, that universal karma, whatever you want to call those things. To me, if, it, if you're actively out trying to give service to other people, that's the long game. Um, if I'm trying to give you leads, and I called you the other day and said, mm-hmm. hey, I got a guy looking for something. It just happened to be somebody else I was networking with. Mm-hmm. I've actually... Looking back on my life, I've done that naturally throughout my entire life. I just didn't know how to do it professionally. And, you know, everybody and their brother does it already. They go, hey, you know, if your best friend had a tire shop up the road and some dude got a flat in front of your house, you'd be like, hey, go over there to Tony's and he'll fix your tire. Absolutely. That is the same exact concept, If but if you take it into a professional world, polish it a little bit and say, Hey, by the way, I have a really good relationship with Chase, and you know I see that you got a burst pipe in your house. I think he would be a good person for you to call. I know he won't, you know, I know he'll shoot you straight, and he won't rake things over. He will actively work with your insurance to get things straight. So I give him a call, see what he can do. You know, I can make that recommendation because I've gotten out here and I've built a relationship. Mm-hmm. So you get out in your professional networks and get to know people. You know, it's one thing to sit on LinkedIn all day or on Facebook all day while you're at your office. But, I mean, why go have lunch with the same person every day? Or by yourself. Or by yourself, yeah. which I do constantly. Um, but at the same token, I, I try to find ways to interact with people within my network. And I don't give up an opportunity to go find more people in in a network because you never know who you're going to meet. I mean, just the other day uh, at a business broker, mm-hmm. like, ooh, tell me more about that. So we, we've got lunch set up to go learn about him business brokering mm-hmm. just because I'm curious. Just I'm, I'm, Like I said, I'm taking a page out of Avery's book now. I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's awesome. So nice. yeah. That's a good deal. I That actually reminds me I need to call a business broker myself. <laughs> he might know one. Yeah. It uh, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, wait till I have lunch with him and I'll let you know how it goes. All right, fair enough. Yeah, and we'll make we'll make that connection. Fair He's enough. in Jacksonville, as a matter of fact. Yeah, actually I should call them. Definitely. Yeah. I'll I'll talk to you after. <laughs> and that's how networking happens. <laughs> this is this is the VBC and that's one thing. I I'm, I will say this about VBC. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> Walking in the door the first time, because I kept hearing it. I was in Rob's office, and I kept hearing, oh, we, I think it was called NC Vet Biz at that point. Mm-hmm. And, kept hearing, and he's like, just wait. I said, Rob, I want to go. I want to go check this thing out. You're, like, talking about it all the time. Let me go check it out. And uh, he's like, hold on. We're making some changes. 
And so I get invited to like the first or the second VBC. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Hmm. You know, there's a bunch of people in this room. And, and the, 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 the most prolific thing that happens is you stand up and you say, hey, I'm DW with State Farm. I work for Rob, you know. Or I'd said, I think I actually said something stupid. You like, said you're Jake from State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember because you, you had on the, the, yeah, on the whole outfit, man. You had yeah, the yeah, khakis, outfit, you had on the red uh, shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I am yeah. that personality. Like, I wear stuff to make people remember me. Yeah. I mean, oh, it was that, funny. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I do things like that just to, to punch it out there. I mean, why not? Why, yeah. why not just get out there and do it? I, I know I went to one networking event one time and I stood up for my elevator speech and I said, uh, hi, I'm DW. I'm an amateur race car driver. Or, I'm a semi-professional race car driver and an amateur tattoo artist. And uh, I, I said it better than I did here, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> you sold it. I sold it. it. I sold it. I, was, I, I, I rehearsed it. Because like, I, I, I don't know to how just, much like, experience he has in tattooing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and everybody just kind of stopped and looked, and then somebody busted out laughing, and two or three other people busted out laughing. And then I realized who in this room has watched Ricky Bobby and who has not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. So, or Talladega Nights, I should yeah, say. Yeah. They get it right. Um, but immediately following the the initial format of the my first VBC meeting. Um, four or five people just walked up and introduced themselves to me and said, if I can help you do anything, let me know. Or even one guy walks up and says, hey, I've got this guy over here. I need you to give him a call. And then Rob comes walking in from, the, uh, from to the office the next day with like five things in his hand. and goes, here, this is all from VBC. Run those down. I'm like, really? Um, he's like, yeah. He said, you did good. <laughs> and then walks away. And so, but, but oh, that, cool to hear that. That was my very first experience with VBC and it was just like mind blowing. And the more I got involved and the more I watched how you guys interact, like I, dude, the, the relationship between Rob, Matt, yourself, Scott Wilkinson, Avery, all of you guys has been, I mean, it's inspired so many people hmm. that you don't even realize how much it's touching watching you guys go about doing things. And you've inspired me in such a way that I'm, I'm, I, I go in a situation sometimes and I go, all right, how am I going to channel my, my, my inner chase? <laughs> you know, That's a dangerous one, yeah, path to go down. Or, or how, do I, how do I channel Avery on this? Because he, you know, That's he's safer. Got <laughs> He'll ask intelligent questions. I'll just stand there in the corner and look grumpy. <laughs> hey, but sometimes that's what you need to do. You know? I need that intimidation every now and then. But, no, um, but it's been watching... All of this stuff transpire. You, you can't help but just say, "Yeah, I want to be a part of it." And, and you have been. You've been a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that don't know, uh, DW has uh, started our first chapter outside of Wilmington, right? And currently runs that, and is is looking at um, expanding that into another market, right? I am. I am. Yeah. Um, it, it hasn't been without challenges. It's, it's had its ups and downs. Um, Everything does. But uh, we have. Honestly, our, our very first few meetings with the Newburn chapter, and there was business being transacted right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, there were two nonprofits that got together. And as a matter of fact, I've kind of been invited into the fold of, of one of them to help see what we can do to kind of change its course. And uh, we have a really cool mission, you know, kind of mapped out. And it's kind of inspired by BBC to a certain extent because that's, I mean, I can't help but what's already here and, already present and and having that nonprofit get influenced by it just if it takes off and and does even half of its mission it'll be a great support and uh, so I'm looking forward to where that that leads um, I'm looking forward to the the multitude of, of stuff that I've have gotten my hands into and the people that have been brought in the mix um, I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better network to be a part of than this one. Oh, cool. Glad to hear that, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if it's uh, – it doesn't matter whether you – to me, it doesn't matter what your job is. Um, you can add value to this organization. You can add value to the people around you. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. That's what it's all about. And you never know what's going to come back around your way when you step into an organization like this and add value. Um, so I think, that, you know, to what you were saying earlier with networking and stepping into these spaces, if you step in with the mindset of it's not about what I get, it's about what I can add, mm-hmm. um, what will come back around on the backside would be exponential. That's that's a tough thing for a lot of people to keep in mind is uh, – you're not worrying about the the tit for tat, right? Like being able to just give openly and freely with no expectations and just trusting that all your good that you do in the world is going to be reciprocated, even if it's not a direct one-for-one sort of fashion. Right. Right. Like you mentioned the flat tire thing. It might be that you did a favor for this guy over there, and then one day you have a flat tire and somebody comes by and helps you out. That might be the way the good can come back to you. It doesn't necessarily have to be a trade like, hey, I'll give you this referral, but where's my referral? Right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's a short-sighted way, I think, to go about it. Yeah, but, I, I think the magic happens in the I'm going to do this for Avery, and it's going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand that concept necessarily, depending on the dynamic going on in their life. Because I've seen that quite a bit lately where – I've helped someone, it'll be, often it's another agent, right? Or maybe it's someone interested in investing, and I talk to a lot of wholesalers, or I just know about a bunch of random stuff for sale off market or things of that nature. And they'll say, hey, you know, I'll give you a referral fee, or I'll make you this or that. And I'm like, no, I'll just help you. Like, I don't need to, like, make money every time I interact with you. I just, I know this stuff for free all the time. So I could just help you. And it's a lot more fulfilling, right? Rewarding than trying to nickel and dime every interaction that you have with someone that's to their benefit and not necessarily yours, but financially anyway. But I think it is beneficial, right, to verify that the information you know is correct and it's still of utility if I'm not readily able to apply it. Like, that's valuable to me over right. just getting compensated because I helped you for something that took me 10 minutes of phone calls. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. Well, uh, you know, I think I, I've thought about that very scenario quite mm-hmm. a bit and, and why sometimes guys have a problem or have a hard time with it. And if you're stepping into a space where you're in your own business or you're in a full sales uh, commission based mm-hmm. platform, it's easy to get desperation mindset. I think rental investing has helped free me of being worried about that. Right. But the, I think that happens, and, and mm-hmm. people are looking to, you know, get every little edge for that, you know, little taste of paycheck. And, and mm-hmm. they're, it, it's something that I am been practicing is living out of an abundance mindset is that, you know, Elon Musk talks about it. Um, where, and, and don't ask me to requote figures because I'm horrible at that, mm. but um, the, the long and short is that he took the money that he made from PayPal and he invested everything in the two businesses, Tesla and Space, SpaceX. Mm-hmm. And those two businesses are now worth an enormous amount more mm-hmm. than his initial investment. But he looked at it and said, money's just a tool. I have this setup that pays my bills, I am going to invest everything. Um, and, and he's like, because I know there's more. You know, it's just something that comes in and it, it, you put it out and it comes back. You put it out and it comes back. And for a lot of people, they're, they're stuck in this mindset of scarcity where I can't afford or I can't do or... Um, I'm worried about this, and and do I fall into that every single day, and I have to coach myself out of it? Mm-hmm. Um, but living in that abundance mindset of saying there's enough business for everyone, there's enough to pay my bills, there's enough for this, and there, even though I can't see it, there's more coming. And being able to actually sit and, and st- stepping back into something you had asked me earlier, one of the other key words for that transition is belief. If you don't 
if you don't believe in yourself or believe in the process you're working, then it's hard to stay the course. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to you have to get in the mirror and reconcile that you believe who you say you are. So even when you fall short, it's just a matter of going back to the path and saying, "All right, cool. I didn't react to that the way I wanted to react to it. So now I'm gonna." Recognize it. I'm going to go back and carry Be on. Be better prepared for the next time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like falling on a ruck march. What do you do? You get your ass back up, dust yourself off, and keep marching. And if you got to, you run back to your position. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing in life. Yeah, absolutely. So. That's true. Yeah. I agree with that. As someone who's 5'8 and did more ruck <laughs> marching than I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of long legs out there. There are. <laughs> there are a lot of those out there. Hey, um, I was luckily one of the long leg ones. So. Yeah. Well, we are about at our time limit. I've got, uh, I've got another question for you. Okay. Um, you've shared a lot of really cool insights today about uh, personal growth and development and mindset and that sort of thing. I know you mentioned uh, Rob Renz was a huge resource for you. Uh, great dude. Um, does a lot for a lot of people. Uh, you mentioned Tim Howard, uh, right. you know, being a huge resource in the man school uh, that he runs. Do you have a, a particular book or, uh, that you'd like to recommend to our listeners that uh, you found particularly insightful or, or helpful on this journey for you? Oh, um, the biggest one that steps out is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, I've read that. It's a great, great story. Um it's it's been a, a, a wonderful resource for me. I want to start reading. I'm gonna go through it a second time as soon as I finish a book uh, that Rob gave me called Jab Jab Right Hook. Sorry, Rob, I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there now. Now he knows. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, I actually was looking through a pile of stuff and I was like, oh man, I still got Rob's book. And then I realized I was still in the first chapter. I said, well, I might as well finish it since I still have. Might as well finish it now. He won't mind. He's missed it this long. He won't mind. (laughs) He won't mind at all. So So the go-giver, that's it. That's it. Can't go wrong with that one. Uh, Have you read that one, Avery? I have not. It's in line with what you were talking. I think you've already got the principles down, but it's a quick read. Yeah. I'll check it out. I do audio books these days. It's kind of weird. I found that a few times people will recommend books. And I'll start reading them, and I'll just think, yeah, why wouldn't you do it that way? And then I kind of trail off. That happened with uh, The Speed of Trust was another one. I remember there was this time period in the military where where everybody was like, hey, you got to read this book. I read the first couple pages and just thought, this is common sense. This is strange. Was everybody (laughs) reading this? Maybe maybe there was something (laughs) deeper in the middle that you didn't make it to. Maybe my parents are smarter than I give them credit for. Maybe I should skip to the middle of the book, too. I'll try that, too. What book is that? The Speed of Trust. The Speed of Trust. And I believe it's by the son of the person who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's Stephen R. Covey Jr. Gotcha. Wrote it. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, you'd be surprised how often reading through things that you already know Mm -hmm. just helps to... uh, Bring it back to the forefront. Yeah, bring it back Check to it the out. forefront and, and puts things uh, – you, you read something through a different lens every time you read it. I think um, Stephen Chandler was talking about that on a podcast I was listening to uh, with Chris Doris, and um, he was saying that the first time is inspiration and the second, month, second time is transformation. Mm-hmm. So the first time you read through something, you actually are inspired by it, but the second time you go through it, you are – you're now walking through it through an evolved mind thought process. So you've evolved your mind, you've learned, you've grown, and now you're going back into something and you'll see it with a different set of lenses. Yeah. I'm definitely a different version of myself than when I initially read them. So I, I'll do that. Because I, I have been rereading, re-listening to a number of books. I did it with uh, The Obstacle is the Way, The Neuropsychology of Self-Discipline. I'm currently doing it with 48 Laws of Power, it's like a giant list of like super villain reading list, but uh, I'll I'll check those out. Oh, and I got yeah. to give the American Legion a plug. Uh, I've Go been, for it! I've been in with uh, Elizabeth Hartman and trying to you know kind of revamp the thought process behind American Legion, and we're just rocking and rolling in Newburn. So uh, there's other 
there's other cities that are doing a bang up job of doing the same thing. Um, so I would say if anybody is considering it, don't don't negate the the, the American Legion. I mean, they're the strongest lobbying arm that we have. Uh, so fair enough. Um, if people want to get in touch with you uh, about insurance or, you know, maybe they want to talk about their, their missing testicle or whatever it is, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, your choice. I, I've got LinkedIn. Um, there's Facebook. I'm on both. Uh, I actually have an Instagram and a TikTok, which is crazy. Nice. I think Andy do you Wagner do the dances? I, I have. I've, I've done a few dances. <laughs> you know. Uh, mostly in the car, like Morgan Latmore. <laughs> Do you have an email address you want to put out there? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to put my phone number out there. Yeah, 252-702. Start over. I talked over you. Oh, 252-702-7693 in my email. Uh, there's like 10,000 of them. So just check me out at localusa.org, uh, davidh at localusa.org. Okay. Well, man, I want to thank you, not just for being on the show, but for, for being so open and genuine during this conversation. Oh, uh, you, you put a lot on the table, uh, and I think that really helps people not just connect with you as a person, but, you know, helps them understand their own situation as well. Right. You know, maybe maybe it isn't as unique or as catastrophic as they thought it was. Um, you know, there's people out there that struggle with all kinds of things, man. I think you, you just inspired a ton of people today and, and gave a lot of people uh, – a path they can go on that'll change your life. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. I mean, catastrophe is, is, is a matter of how you look at it. I've got plenty more, plenty more stories I could tell on that, but that's for another time. We'll do it again then. (laughs) All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. FOLA Capital helps small businesses raise capital using one of the several programs authorized under the 2012 Jobs Act. They are especially passionate about helping to raise capital for veteran-owned, women, and minority-owned small businesses across the country. Be sure and check them out at folacapital.com.